Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Bottoming, the LGBTQ mental health podcast about rock bottoming and beyond. Kindly sponsored by Joe Malone London. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BottomingPod or visit BottomingPodcast.com for more content relating to each episode. We've also added a support page to the website to direct you to the right place if you're struggling or need someone to talk to. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Hello, I'm Brendan. And I am Matthew, and our pronouns are he and him. Episode three, you're listening to Bottoming. Yeah. Um, It's not you, it's monogamy. I'm a bit gagged that we're even able to say this in the interview that we've got to share with you, but um, Lapsley, who you may know, singer, songwriter, fellow scouser, all-round creative angel. Mm -hmm. Beyond Lapsley, we also had an extra, extra special guest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, who goes by the name of Peanut. So you will hear from Peanut <laughs> as well in the episode. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot to say politically. <laughs> um, but before we get in to that... <clears throat> it's an ooky spooky vibe today. It is ooky spooky. <laughs> Obviously, if you just listen to this fresh, fresh in the podcast inbox, mm-hmm. you won't be able to see. No. We've got a couple of... I'm not pumpkins... Squash. Gourds. Gourds. Oh, my God. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> um, we've got a couple of squashes on the table. Yeah. And our gorgeous cat ears, because, yeah. just because it's almost Halloween, I guess. Almost. This will come out, I think, on the 20th or mm-hmm. something like that. It's spooky season anyway, isn't it? It is, so. yeah. Spooky, spooky season. Um, but yeah, how have you have you been? I, I thought I was going to answer this differently if we'd have done this last week mm. because I felt like we had a really good week last week mm. in terms of stuff that was going on. We released 
Michael's episode, we <clears throat> did the interview with Mentally Yours, which which came out on World Mental Health Day this, this Sunday. And we were, I don't know, there was lots of energy and it felt really good. We were also um, practicing our, our new Twitch game. <laughs> so if you go on Twitch and search Bottoming Pod, you will find us and some very questionable videos <laughs> of us trying to get it right. Um <laughs> But then on Friday, I just had a big crash and it kind of came out of nowhere. Usually I can like pinpoint what has caused what, but mm-hmm. some just I felt really low for some reason. And there's something that I wrote something down because something Lapsley said in the interview in relation to non-monogamy is always check in because you're not always okay, which is something that is quite... Um, it rings true with mental health because mm-hmm. there's always you're kind of always on a bit of a spectrum as to where you are if you're um, doing well or doing bad, and not always the same things help you mm-hmm. when you're in different situations. So with me, um, for instance, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was still going on my walks, still doing all the things that usually make me feel okay and level, but then it wasn't mm. lifting me out of it. And then yesterday, I just had a really big walk. I just walked and walked and walked until I couldn't walk anymore, basically. I just walked from here until Epping Forest, which is it's quite a bit. Mm, it's quite a it while. It is quite a walk, yeah. It was like 30,000 <clears> steps or something on my stepometer. Um, <laughs> and I think something about exhausting myself in that way completely reset me. Mm. Like there's also when I'm more depressed than... Uh, than not, I, it kind of feels like now that I'm medicated, it feels different to when I used to not be medicated, but now medicated, it feels like you almost uh, walk through like um, a glass door Mm. that you think is is an entrance, but it's glass. And part of you is left on the inside because you've, you know, hit it, but then another part's on the outside and they're not aligned. And it's kind of Mm. like... It feels like I'm just slightly, yeah, and it's like things are going, it's just not matching up in some way, mm. and it's just getting, figuring out how do I align those things again, and yeah, t- turns out the walk mm. did the trick, it was really, really good, um, and also just not doing anything last night really helped as well, Yeah, I think um, just overloading myself with lots of content. <laughs> just been like electrified but um <laughs> yeah i feel i feel <clears throat> back today which is good yeah um how have you well i'm glad that you're feeling better obviously in time thank you for recording yeah um not that i knew we were recording today I yeah you did get that mixed up but that's <laughs> besides the point <laughs> um yeah i i am okay um i didn't speak about it last episode because it was only one session in but I have obviously restarted counselling again. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had two sessions so far. Um, and I think I kind of, obviously I knew what I was getting into because I've done it before. But the difference with this is that I don't know, like you said, like kind of like I didn't know the, the trigger. The, obviously there was lots of things going on, but I couldn't pinpoint the exact things mm-hmm. I needed to do to make it feel better. Um, <clears throat> and it, it was almost like even if other things came up, in the previous times I've had sessions I still knew what like the core 
issue was that I was there yeah. for, even if other things like um came from indirectly, that. yeah, yeah. Whereas with this, and I, th- I think it's maybe because I'm just a bit too practical minded sometimes with things, I can't like focus on what the central reason is, which I'm finding really frustrating. Mm. And the first session, I just spent it trying to, I guess, like lay out the reasons that I've told myself that I think I'm there. Mm. So I think, yeah, I spent pretty much the first session going into that. And then the second session, it kind of came around really, really quickly. And I hadn't had time beforehand to think about what I was going to discuss. Mm. <clears throat> um, we did we did play a little later, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the second one threw me a little bit, to be honest. And I obviously afterwards text you just like, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm doing it's it's also online as well which um i've never done before i'm in the same room that i've spent the last year working in it's been a really stressful year professionally we've obviously done all of our podcasts in this room Mm -hmm. i was made redundant last year before i got the new job i interviewed all of those emotions i've gone through i've been in the same room Mm -hmm. so it just feels a little bit weird to then target a specific hour for something that is designed to, I guess, be emotional as well. Yeah. So it just last the last week session really threw me a little bit. Um, yeah, I was just I was just kind of I packed up and then was just stood in the middle of the room like, <laughs> well I should probably go for a walk, but now it's dark. Mm-hmm. But I should eat. Well I could make food, but should I go and treat myself? And it was like fifteen minutes. I just I was just stood up in the middle of my room, just like what? Yeah. Do we do? I guess when you were doing it in person, you had that journey to be like, go from A to B mm. and decompress afterwards wherever you were um and i think yeah even when i was doing therapy there was just even though it was like a two minute walk from my house there was a park in between that and my house and so i would literally yeah just have to do laps and laps and laps Mm. just to not necessarily it doesn't feel like you're doing anything it's just by doing kind of a mundane something yeah it processes what's gone on in the kind of subconscious yeah, and last time, like I, it was it was still in an eve like in late afternoon sessions in, in the previous times I've done it, and it was a cycle, cycle to the place. I'd be there, and then usually I'd walk home afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it would that would be the routine, or I'd go to yoga and then walk home. It would be like a, a say a three hours worth of what I would then group as the whole counselling um journey i guess mm-hmm. it was like all connected to them whereas yeah i haven't found what that is yet it's on a thursday so it's there's drag race afterwards but mm-hmm. like i could i wasn't in the mindset to just put drag race on and then one way i want to connect i thought maybe it'd be helpful to connect drag race to it because obviously yeah. it's a positive thing but then like last week i was like i don't well i'm feeling now i don't want to project yeah. <laughs> my like say confused or negative emotions onto something that in the past has brought me loads of joy so i don't know and i guess yeah obviously also- i'm you're going from a chair in your room to just the bed in your room. Mm. So it's kind of like the energy in the room is the same, the exact same. Mm. You're just kind of just is that, moving is that yourself. Fielding? Is, that, is that you? <laughs> knock, knock two times. <laughs> There's an oh energy in the room. <laughs> I've just gone straight to that um, Girls Aloud clip. <laughs> Oh god, um, that's so funny, Derek um, Akoya. But when, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It is, it is, it is very that. And in the assessment as well, I did say like I know I'm a very physical person, and like the space, the space is really important to me. And I don't know how long 
or how effective I'm going to find it mm-hmm. doing it via the screen. I mean, it's it's where it's only I'm only two sessions in at the minute, so I'm not going to kind of uh, cancel out immediately. But yeah, I mean, I'll talk about it. I guess as and when the right time is as well in the future mm. episodes. But and I think just maybe mm-hmm. finding something for you to do afterwards that is just that is out of the house and it is it's like just annoying something simple winter and dark and cold winter honey <laughs> it's still 14 degrees outside <laughs> you can do it i can do it okay um but it is ooky spooky season it so is. we want to do just a very quick uh basically we've just seen the scream mm-hmm. five trailer today it's five five four five five uh stunning amazing oh, the chill gripping upset that it's out in january but it works well for our birthdays it does yeah so what's your favorite horror movie do you have one i don't know if i've got do one. You have a few no i'm only quite recent onto horror films to be honest as mm. in enjoying them um i don't like anything that's like too gruesome and bloody but then also slashes kind of fit outside that but when it's like monsters i'm out like i'm like nah whatever because... jaws all that sort of crap i'm like oh i mean <clears throat> no boring what i really did enjoy i really enjoyed midsummer oh yeah and i like something that's a bit like a bit spooky paranormally you can't see what's going on and i love american horror story actually so there's that. yeah i mean that's so camp it is yeah that's very fun camp um i think i think mine might be from the same director actually i think it could be hereditary <sighs> which is just so it's it's incredible to me but it turned my stomach yeah, I went to the cinema to see it, and I was just like gripped to my seat. But also, I just love a classic, the the Halloween movie, the classic nineteen mm. seventies one. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The music, everything about it. There's just too many to list. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> okay, so that is enough of the spooky, spooky hit. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously all of the guests that we have had and spoken to have been incredible but Lapsley kind of I guess was important to me like back when I was in college mm-hmm. like the first EP and the first album were all just uh, I guess quite like pivotal her last album Through Water was also a really incredible album that I really um, connected to yeah She's done a few really nice photo shoots with obviously my boyfriend Sam. Um, he shot her at All Point East when she did a festival back in August. Really good. <laughs> um, I put together a really gorgeous behind the scenes video um, mm. as well. And yeah, I just. Beautiful, actually. Yeah, it really was. And she looked like a fucking princess. She did. Gorgeous. Oh my goodness me, her team. Yeah. Great. Um, so yeah, we spoke to her a little bit after All Point East. Um, and as I said before, it was in person. She brought Peanut, hit dog with her, and yeah, we just kind of covered a shitload of different things from mm-hmm. you know being in the industry, um, changing her kind of path a little bit with what she wants to go and study again, um, relationships, monogamy, sex, all of these different things. And it kind of yeah, it was a really um, important interview, I think, and really refreshing to hear someone talk like that about relationships mm-hmm. and. Um... And sex in general, because, I mean, it's a conversation that we haven't really had on this podcast, mm-hmm. ironically, mm. but we will get there. Yeah. <laughs> we will get there eventually. Just have to ease it in. Yeah. So with that being said, here is Lapsley. 
Hey, it's Lapsley. Uh, thanks for having me on the Bottom Wing podcast. My pronouns are she slash her. Gorgeous. <laughs> to get started, we'd love to know what kickstarted your jump into the music industry and the Lapsley project. So do you mind sharing a bit of that for us? I mean, I've always loved music, like whether that was like listening to the radio obsessively and like knowing the, you know, the top 40 since like the age of six. Mm-hmm. I was that weirdo in the car that would just radio City. I'd be like Natasha Beddingfield is number seven, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the rest is still written. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then I was like obsessed with drama. I used to go to like drama classes on a Saturday, like from like the age of like six as well. And I used to play loads of instruments. But I guess like that was all like something that was bubbling along in the background whilst I did like academic studies. And then, um, yeah, when I got to sixth form, I just started to, like, help run some, like, club nights in Liverpool. And um, I think that was my, my love for electronic music kind mm. of blossomed. And I think I was quite... I realised I was quite unhappy just doing academic studies. Mm. And I was a creative person. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you when you are quite, like, good in school, like, academic subjects, like, it feels like that's a massive box ticked on your head by mm. your parents mm-hmm. and, and and the people, you know, in school. And so there's kind of this neglect for, like, what if there's another side to that person which mm-hmm. makes them happy? Like, yeah. what if they're creative? And I never got to explore that. So naturally, I kind of start to explore that in the weekends and, like, in the PM and, like, when everyone went to bed and then uploaded music on SoundCloud and eventually, yeah, that kind of went viral and got, got signed at, like, mm. 18. So that, that was like my intro. But I still go and see lots of theatre and go to musicals mm. and like, just love the arts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, as you were saying, it's like with the academic side of stuff, mm-hmm. it's easier to measure, I guess, success for other people to look at it and go, you're doing well or you're not doing well. Yeah. Whereas obviously the sort of stuff, anything creative is always subjective, isn't it, as well? Mm. Which yeah, I think yeah, people yeah. struggle to to know how to work with that. <laughs> it's just easier for people to go, this is a better route. I know, yeah. isn't it? When and you don't want to, if you don't want to do that, it's if people around you are telling you yeah. a different thing, it's difficult to navigate that. And it's funny because like I, I have some friends where like they're an incredible bassist and mm. that's their skill and that's their craft mm-hmm. and they're like one of the best play, bass players in the country. Whereas like you know, I'm quite good at geography and mm. like I love reading and mm. like I love I used to like really like chemistry and. I'm pretty decent at guitar, but I'm not the best guitar player. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess maybe songwriting is my forte. And when you're like not incredibly good at one thing, but like you're very interested in like many things, it's hard to know what your identity is. Yeah. yeah. And actually now, like I'm about to start a, a degree in a few weeks. Actually, I am both and I can be both. And mm-hmm. I didn't think I had like an example of someone that was both. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's me kind of like forging. My, yeah. Can you tell my, us what yeah. you're studying? PPA. <gasps> Politics, philosophy, and economics. <laughs> Not personal protection, but yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, as everyone I, yeah. the last year really inspired me. <laughs> Which is, yeah, funny. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, personally, I followed you since the first EP. I was like hey, super, super fan. Um, you were a bit, of an, enig- a bit of an enigma on social media for a lot of years. Kind of kept, kept quiet on there. But you made quite an active choice to be more present. Um, in the, the past couple of years what brought this on? That's such a good question I think because um, actually to be like loud and proud about yourself there has to be an element of knowing yourself and mm. I think for many years I was quite lost mm. in the same way that people go to university and it takes a few years for them to mm. like fully understand maybe their sexuality or like many parts about themselves Yeah, I think my identity as an artist started you know 
at like 16 and took years for me to work out and my identity as an artist was like a huge part of my entire identity because mm. it was a huge part of me and it's what filled my days and, yeah. and it's what people saw people saw lap say because I was going into the studio every day or I had press or whatever so yeah I just think it took time and then there was a bit of a f- flip that switch 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 <laughs> switch that flipped, flipped yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoa and, <laughs> and I suddenly knew how to talk about myself and express myself mm. because I didn't have to try I it came natural to like post a selfie one day and then like quote Shakespeare the other or do whatever <laughs> weird things you know I don't have a polished social social media and over the years like I have had things said from people in my team and in the industry which is like you know your numbers aren't as high as they should be and like you know maybe you need to do more TikTok or you need to it needs to be more like whatever but ultimately my priority is the music yeah. and I don't want social media which for me is secondary mm-hmm. yeah. to be a burden I want it to be fun yeah. because as soon as something becomes a burden it affects the rest of my life and it makes me unhappy yeah. So, yeah. and which will affect my music and affect my outcome so yeah. I'm protecting that efficiency of mm. creating music by yeah. having yeah a bit of a middle ground and having mm. not so perfect social media I think yeah I think it's good that you've become more comfortable as well, I guess, in yourself to be able to be comfortable with doing whatever you want and not necessarily having um, a higher authority to like answer to as well. I guess, did you feel like a bit of pressure, especially when you were kind of starting your career and you need to have like a brand for people to connect to as an artist? Was there like a pressure in that early stage? Yeah, definitely. And actually, when I looked around at the fellow musicians on my label, like a lot of them had gone to art school and stuff, and they mm. were naturally very like visually inclined. Mm. And you know, I'm not like a visual artist. I mean, I have ideas that then you know work themselves into videos or whatever mm-hmm. with my creative team. But like, my Instagram naturally wasn't that cool because like most of my teens, instead of like hanging around in the art school and hanging around with like the cool kids and taking pics, like. I was like in the geography department or like in the science department in Rocket Club. Like Mm. I just, I didn't know what looked cool. I didn't have a Tumblr. I just wasn't that kid. Yeah. So it took a few years for me to gain confidence to like understand what my aesthetic was. Mm -hmm. I always think obviously like back in the day, like the big pop girls or whatever, you'd always have the perfect rollout, the single releases, all of these type of things. But I think social media is given the opportunity for like people to show themselves a lot more which i i always find more endearing than yeah. just like Completely. there's I been a shift recently I think. yeah, yeah. i want to know like what the the process of recording or any of those sorts of things like i don't just want to see obviously it's exciting if if it's a, a fairly big artist then all of a sudden they drop a single cover and it mm-hmm. kicks off the promo side so that's different but i think a big part of anyone that i'm interested in especially i always like to know a bit more about them and like buy into the bigger picture yeah. rather than just the music and I think I, I think you do that really well mm. with the stuff you do Um, I mean I, I work in comms I also understand why people are like you need to be doing this and this and this but as you say that's not productive or healthy I think especially for the creative stuff you're trying to do yeah. so then yeah. I have to be thinking I need this social well, this I, social post needs yeah. to get X amount of things I find it and, really jarring that like I'd be so like raw and revealing in my music Mm. and yet there was this team telling me that on my social media it had to be like so curated in so a certain way and so it made me feel a bit at odds about what it was that I had control over Mm -hmm. and I think I knew I was giving out 
a mixed single a signal as to who I am because I started to do um like press tours and they mm. were like but your music's so like you know like sad and revealing but like you're such an extrovert like and then that kind of like furthered this idea that I'm a bit of a contradiction which was mm. a bit of a um a self-esteem thing that I already had as a teenager mm. that I always felt like I was the two opposites and I just wanted to fit in mm. and so like now I've worked out that you can be a contradiction yeah. and I can be and the whole point of me making music is it is that that quiet private side of me that I release and then in my day-to-day -day life and in the pub I am really yeah. loud <laughs> and extrovert and I don't necessarily talk about the darkest things in my life yeah that's yeah. for the private time in the studio yeah 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 so on the topic of socials, you came out publicly last June through social media and briefly mentioned some of the experiences you had growing up that caused you to struggle uh, in understanding and accepting yourself. How was that experience for you and how have you found the last year? Um, it's funny because obviously the people closest to me, nothing's changed. Mm. But there did come a point where I realised that I actually never talked about my sexuality mm. on my social media and I always championed other people. Yeah. And when I actually sat down with myself, is that a phrase? Yeah, and, re <laughs> and um, I realized that there was a bit of shame attached to it, mm. like whether that was a grandparent knowing or like, and so I had to look back about uh, uh, where that came from, mm -hmm. you know, going to an all girls school, like sleeping with the only like out lesbian yeah. and feeling like very strange that she could, you know, be confident about who she was, but I mm. had to be so private. And then, like, over the years, just, like, doing things really secretly, getting mm. with girls really secretly, and, like, why is that? Why? And and also facing my, I think, my parents' own prejudice of, like, this idea of, like, my daughter growing up and, like, finding a man and having kids, and then mm -hmm. that suddenly being thrown on its head if I was with a woman. It's mm. like I was carrying the burden of their ideal future for their child. Yeah. Yeah. Um which is nutty, but I had to go to those places to like really dissect yeah. it. Um, and now we're out the other side. And I, I think people laugh in my family because like, like my granddad's like the president of the golf club this year. And I purposely wore like the most like dikey <laughs> suit I, I could. Like I went in with like a little black corset, full suit. And I was, I was, cause I was his guest. I was meant to wear like a dress and heels. And I just went in there and talked about crossbreed and some of the girls that I was dating. Um, <laughs> And by the end of it, my granddad was like, you smashed it. Yeah. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think I purposely put people like, I'm trying to slightly make them question their own ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Twist, and I think... twist the knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you went home, obviously the, the pictures that you took, some of those things from the golf club event so so adorable yeah it was sweet thank you it was so funny because like they it was one of the few places like i completely forget they have like a lady section i was like i'm a little lady yeah. going to the lady section with the little lady toilets like i live in such a like non-binary world in east london that i'm kind yeah. of like whoa <laughs> put me in my place um one thing we we obviously caught up a few months ago um mm. one thing we discussed at the time was monogamy and sex and the importance of communication yeah um, it's a topic that many people avoid mm -hmm. i think we can say oh my god there's been with even in the, within the podcast sorts of conversations we have but also in our own personal lives i think there's a lot of 
times I can say it kind of you kind of have to dodge things or felt like I've had to dodge things um people often don't know how to talk about that sort of thing um and you've told us that you're quite eager to change that kind of and you yeah it with people in your life as well yeah um let's I, I want to discuss that a bit more and kind of your thoughts on that and ironically yeah, yeah. it's the first time that on a podcast called bottoming we've discussed anything non-monogamy well sex like sex, sex, sex. And, and communication yeah. and non-monogamy yeah oh god that's not like even monogamy and, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is really ironic because i think which in itself kind of probably says that we're it's like it's a, it's thoughts that i have or want to discuss but i maybe don't Hesitant know for some reason yeah yeah and i'm similarly yeah like i'm still trying to unpick those thoughts in my mind and what that means for me and, and my life so i'm just really intrigued to kind of hear a bit more about your thoughts on it and also maybe what you're doing with people around you to to change that a little bit yeah i mean for me like me talking about non-monogamy in my experience is actually part of me dissecting the shame that i have over some of the mistakes that i've made mm. and some of the people that i've hurt because like non-monogamy is like a mountain range that you pass through and there's like peaks and troughs mm-hmm. but overall you're heading in the direction that you want to go because yeah. you've consented and that's that you know that's that's what you want and it's hard work yeah, yeah. i've been in a few non- non-monogamous relationships and like it the best it, it works the best um when there's like a solid foundation mm. it's not something that you go into because like it's not to do with committing mm. it's kind of the opposite you are so committed that you're willing to make this work mm-hmm. and a lot of questions that i think people ask me are to do with like jealousy and like um and guilt and actually these are things that naturally we still feel and you mm-hmm. still feel like in a non-monogamous relationship but in order for it to work and have that privilege, and I feel like non-monogamy is a privilege because you're at a position that you can feel like your relationship is a base to be able to mm-hmm. springboard off and come back. That's a, a, a visually, yeah. that's mm. a really good visual. Yeah. I like the arm, the arm work as well you were doing to describe <laughs> that, that. I've not like ever seen it as that before. Yeah. That's a really, I think you've put it so think- clearly. I think the perception might be from people who are in monogamous relationships is that non people that are in non monogamous monogamous it's hard <laughs> non monogamous <Yeah>. relationships <laughs> might be you know less secure that they have to go off and do whatever with other people because they don't have that commitment. But I guess, I guess what you're saying is that it's more that you're so secure with each other and that you have that connection that there's you can more freedom. Go there. Yeah. yeah. Because I think there's been times where I've tried where it's not been like that and it has been just because we met on those terms and we continued those mm-hmm. terms. Yeah. And eventually someone gets hurt because you're not you're not committed to... Is it like being on kind of a separate set of rules it, or pages? Yeah, and it yeah. takes just a, a lot of work. It's not um, something to take lightly mm-hmm. because these are serious feelings and mm. serious pain can happen yeah. if the communication isn't there. I think it takes a lot of bravery mm-hmm. and um, what's it called? Um, like self-reflection, mm. like to be mm-hmm. able to pull it off because you're facing your own shame and your own like... Okay, so if okay, I'm gonna sleep with this person, and then I'm gonna tell the person I love that, even though we've agreed that, mm-hmm. you know, what if um, they think I'm disgusting mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I've touched another person, mm-hmm. and then and you're like, well, why is it that I think that another person would think I was yeah. disgusting? Yeah. Because I do, and then I'm like, oh, because 
someone when I was 14 years old someone said to me that like that was grim that that girl slept with loads of people yeah. in, mm-hmm. in a week or whatever so it's like it's all about linking it and like addressing so but like literally taking every point as it comes yeah mm-hmm. You don't have to deal with the whole thing of like jealousy in one go. You yeah. just have to deal yeah. with that one situation, that one night that you got with that person that was agreed, and you came home safe, and you go for that breakfast walk with your partner, and you talk about it. Mm. And sometimes it is rough mm-hmm. because sometimes you've had a tough week, and that person was like, "Actually, I know I said that uh, it was okay to do that, but like, I think I just need a bit more care this week." Yeah. And we just mm-hmm. like cancel the next day that you have. Mm. Like it's it's very much something that needs to constantly be checked in yeah. because we're not always okay. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, the payoff is if you both feel naturally inclined as like non-monogamous people, mm-hmm. is the satisfaction of like ticking those boxes of like mm. sexual and emotional relationships with the person that you love and your primary p- partner and something which for me is also very important that with secondary and tertiary and like just other people yeah. mm-hmm. I love having sex with people I love human contact and for me I can distinguish that with like you know the, the, the kind of sex that I have with like my primary partner yeah. and that is part of what makes me happy some people you know are very monogamous and, and, mm. and what they have ticks their box yeah. but I need boxes ticked in other areas yeah. you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean and that's yeah. okay and, yeah. and we're all different and we all have different boxes needed to be ticked in different places yeah I think it works the best when you have a partner that has roughly similar things that want to be ticked mm. so the best I mean my last long term relationship we both came into it saying that we were non-monogamous but we agreed to have months a few months of monogamy in order to have that in a way we wanted non-monogamy so bad that like we had to put in the work as a monogamous relationship in yeah, order the to then stretch yeah um which was really interesting mm. seeing it from because that was like mm. we know that that's what we want long term so we can we can wait yeah it sounds yeah. like there's so much um communication involved and i think one thing that i need to learn if this is a bit of a sharing situation is um I think I need to learn to to be able to just say actually everything that's going on in my head and be able to talk about intimacy more with whoever I'm with. Even with friends, I think I need to learn to break down those barriers. And I think as LGBT people anyway, there is a bit of, um, well, it depends obviously what upbringing you've had, but there is a lot more shame around sex and having the, you know, um, stereotypes of promiscuity and things like that. And so it's a lot harder, I guess, to deconstruct like, like you're saying feeling comfortable with wanting to have sex with more people and that's absolutely fine it doesn't mean that you're x y and z it just means that that's something that you enjoy doing and it's like it also doesn't take away from that person or wanting something with that specific primary mm. partner exactly and um i guess have you always been that open in relationships um well no i i've hurt people and i've cheated on people and i've been I guess what was called classically promiscuous and had a tough time in relationships and lied and I wasn't brave enough to communicate what it was that I wanted and I didn't have enough self-esteem to like own up to the fact that I was a bit of a crappy person Mm -hmm. and 
And then it got to a point where it was like, I truly don't like myself and I don't like my sexuality and I don't like my sexual endeavors. And I was like, how has it got to this point? Mm -hmm. Something needs to change. And so I had to have this like moment of like radical acceptance Mm -hmm. that was like, look, you were born this way and there is nothing wrong with wanting sex with multiple people. But what is wrong is the path that you're leading of pain Mm. and lies and deceit. And that's bringing everyone down. Your friends are worried, your parents are worried and your relationships aren't going very well. So it, it took me rock bottom to get to this place and like, and I still have made mistakes. Sorry, that's my dog in the background. (laughs) Let me put a blanket (laughs) on. And I'm still no angel, but like reaching that dark point has really showed me the power in Mm. honesty. And when you lie to someone, you take away that power for them to then make a valid choice as to whether they want to stay with you or not. So, so it's been healing. (laughs) Yeah. Non-monogamy is like also like a personal private test for me Mm. that when it goes well, it pushes me to uncomfortable places that I feel like I need to address, especially before I, you know, I look at my face and like, I'd love to be married or be in a civil partnership and like have a family. And there's lots of things that come with that. And I think I need to really explore the depths of, yeah, you know, why why I've cheated and like, why I want to have sex with multiple people. Like, what is it? Like, am I a poly- polyamorous person? Mm. Like, is it that I actually just have issues with like, I just, I just want to be hugged by more people. Is it that I wasn't hugged enough as a kid? <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? There's like, There's I'm so just many trying layers, to, yeah, there? yeah, so many <laughs> layers. But I want to do it for the right reasons. Yeah. And that's why I'm exploring the depths of yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I think, love it. I, I'm, the communication side of it, I think is. <laughs> Joe, I'll just put him on the lap. Our <clears throat> next question is actually about peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Takes the mic, Peanut. <laughs> yeah, I think the, obviously the core of all of it is, is good communication, isn't it? With I guess with yourself, acceptance and communicating with yourself properly, but also with the people you have all of the different types of relationships with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's it's something in my mind, like just generally sex generally and how I deal with it and think about it for me it's been like an ongoing journey f- for many years for a variety of different reasons but like yeah i just i think the way you speak about it as well is is really cl- if in my mind i can see it really clearly mm-hmm. like what you're explaining no no i'm, well, I'm glad you think you know, it's clear because i'm like i'm lost in my own words <laughs> i think just the way the way that you kind of describe it and especially with so f- one of the first positive conversations i had about open relationships it was a date i went on it was a long a few good few years ago now and that was the first time someone had like positively spoken about open relationships and what their thought was on it and and I kind of had felt like I'd never been able to think about or speak about that with anyone before mm-hmm. um like with, with both with friends and with with other people I've been in relationship with in the past it just felt like a bit of a no-go area and it kind of has been it's been quite a few years now that that non-monogamy thought has been in my mind and I, I don't know if it's right for me because I've not I've not been there um so I, I can't kind of I don't have any experiences with it well everyone but, has their own qualms and like most of us are like children of divorces and like yeah. affairs and like you know we've all seen yeah. um 
that's not non-monogamy, but that's we've all seen things go wrong mm. in terms of people having sex with other people outside yeah. of a primary partnership that's monogamous. It gives such a warp view of yeah, not even just the sex side of it, but I think just relationships in general. Yeah, or we've all been hurt, or we've hurt other people. So yeah. like, yeah. it is hard to see like a positive example of how. Because then you're like, what is this? Yeah, how, how can how can sex with <laughs> another person do? outside of a primary relationship happen like how can mm. it work and how can it actually benefit a relationship and strengthen a relationship yeah i think that that's one of the key things when you're speaking that like sticks out for me is that being able and having to communicate regularly about that yeah. that side of a relationship it gets also easier, bleeds into other it things. Is hard at the start yeah but i guess that unlocks like all of these secondary sort of mm-hmm. layers of trust and communication as well just beyond I don't think most people are ready to yeah. face yeah. that. I've been forced to face it because I've hurt people that I love. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it doesn't take to, at that point for people to address it. Yeah, yeah. Like, when it comes to monogamy, you need to just... Con- sorry, like, non-monogamy, you just need to con- constantly ask why. So mm-hmm. let's say, like, your primary partner goes on a, a date and sleeps with someone and you feel jealous. Well, why do you feel jealous? Well, what is it that you're jealous about? Mm-hmm. Is it the way that they look? Why do you feel jealous of the way that, you, that they look? Do you feel insecure about how you look? Mm-hmm. Do you, are you insecure that like they're spending time with another person? Well, maybe you need to like organize more dates in the week and mm-hmm. prioritize time. Like it's about like actually going to those depths. Mm-hmm. Properly putting the effort and in. I yeah. found that really healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. can always say no. Yeah. That's another thing. You can always close it. You can always, I like I said like I feel like the, like like me and my ex we when we spoke to people in public we were like we are both non-monogamous people mm-hmm. but at the moment we're in a we're go, we're doing a monogamous phase and we'll yeah, check yeah. in every month because that's what we want we want to close it for the time being because yeah. that's what we want but like objectively we are non-monogamous people mm-hmm. but that's what we need right now mm. and it's more the fact that we could we could have stayed together and had monogamy for 30 years but we know that we're non-monogamous people because essentially we can put that card on the table at any point yeah and it's that freedom to have that card on the table for me is liberating i never have mm-hmm. to turn over that card but just to know that it's there mm. means that there's no way that i will feel embarrassed to feel about any shame or you know about like wanting to sleep with another person mm-hmm. or like wanting to experiment or step outside of the primary yeah. relationship for me that's almost the most important thing is that ability to have the card on the table yeah 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 and that would I'd... save marriages lol yeah. Oh. Yeah. imagine that yeah. <laughs> said whole pass <laughs> um so on to another huge topic mm-hmm. um we're lucky enough to have a very special guest with us today he's a bit shy a little peanut um you recently wrote a really lovely post about him on instagram um Especially like discussing how he's helped you with your mental health and stuff over the years. Can you give us tell us a little bit more about him? Because I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I look, I mean, it is a bit nutty that I bought a dog at 18 years old when I just signed a record deal. But I lived on my own in Notting Hill, mm. and I'd gone from like being a, like huge extrovert with loads of people around me to suddenly like spending a lot of time on my own. Yeah, mm-hmm. and over the years like peanuts come into the studio with me and also gone into rehearsals and in a good session like i am quite like i have like quite a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and i'm quite hyper and like i had like quite a recent adhd diagnosis which is quite funny which obviously is very is very obviously me now i look but like 
he's been my excuse when I've got a bit, when I've had too much energy to just like go for that walk mm-hmm. and I've had to go because like, every two hours I'll take him out like yeah. to, to break away from that space and to just like, and that's created some of the best work because I've had to like think objectively about my work, come in, change the bridge, change the chorus. Yeah. Um, it's also been a savior in the dark times, mm-hmm. like when I've not been able to get out of bed or when I'm stuck in a, you know, having an argument in the studio or whatever, I've just been able to break away from that space mm. to force me outside. And yeah, and also <laughs> even on a night out, I've had to come back. It's <laughs> it's another source of responsibility. It stops me from being entirely in my own head because it's bigger than me. Yeah. And I have to, it doesn't matter how I am. He has, he's helpless. I mean, look at him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He needs, he's not going to go out there and rotisserie a chicken. I've got to do that for him. And um, that also gave me perspective, like when the whole of your life is about you and, the, and, and every, and it's your job and mm. you're self-employed to then like, have those moments in the day where it's not about you. Yeah. And Peanut couldn't give two about, <laughs> you know, what I am or he just wants my warmth like a reptile. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's okay. it's tough when you go on tour. Don't get a dog until you've literally got <laughs> lots of time ahead of you and get a cute one so that everyone will look after it when you go away. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, he's a sweetie. But now I'm like codependency. It's like yeah. Yeah. can't be without him. He's yeah. in he's in the bed with me. <laughs> so we're on to the last question already i can't believe it but um what do you have coming up that we should know about oh yeah well i've got some new music coming out which should have come out ages ago so i've got like some new tunes and i played one of them at all points east the Mm. show a few weeks ago so hopefully that will get sorted how was the show amazing it was so good that I came off and just completely crashed. Oh. Because the reality of like never touring that last record and that, that being such a good live show just kind of hit me and I had to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone else partied <laughs> and I just went to sleep. Um, yeah. Um, and also I'm finishing the record so that's going to come out hopefully next year. Mm. It's all written. I'm just like finishing the production. But yeah. It'll all be on the socials. I do kind of document like little yeah. snippets of the creative process. How was it? Because obviously, I can, I know as a like as a person, I know that once I've done something, it's very different. I don't make music, but once I've done something, and it's like it's for me, I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. What? Because obviously, the, with the pandemic, you were not able to do anything live with the record that you released like the week before lockdown. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um. Which not to both smoke up your ass, but like was one of my favorite <laughs> albums of last year. Oh, like thank you. it was just it came out at just the right time for where I was at that point, and it like helped for a different period of things that went up and down that year as well. But what was it like, kind of obviously building up to that, not expecting any sort of lockdown or pandemic, to then having to I guess hold on to all of that for that time, and then redo it this year. Mm-hmm. What we're pretty much 18, 18 months on at this point. What was that like for you? I mean, it was tough. I had to very quickly get over the fact that I'll never tour it. Mm. And that was a choice, I think. I think mm. I hit a crossroads and it was either you wallow and you ruin this year and it'll become really unproductive and you feel sorry for yourself or you get on with the next record or mm. you get stuck into writing for other people. Yeah. Um, and 
yeah, I do think that show All Point Seas was kind of like a blessing and a curse because it 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 was healing in the sense that okay, I, well, I got to do something, yeah, and there is a crowd, and I am a performer, and it it like reaffirmed that side of me which I hadn't seen in so long. Mm-hmm. And then the curse was like, well, you know, the finances are tough because all of my tour funds that I'd like saved had had to go on just existing for the yeah. past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not realistic to tour so far away from the record. So I'm never going to do that album. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like I, I got to play like half the record. So it's mm. kind of a middle ground that ju- has just about tied me over. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> Now so, you can look to the next one. Yeah, 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 yeah mm-hmm. positively. And I'll still constantly for the rest of my life, I'll try and sneak in through water into yeah. every tour. I mean, I feel like that's expected. Yeah. Because I think even if you didn't get to tour it, I don't think that's like the missing file. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that takes anything away from it as like as the album itself because it probably and I'm, I mean I know I've heard other people speak about this when they talk about like lockdown albums mm-hmm. they released. You kind of have to I guess switch your mindset with it and as you said you accepted it wasn't going to be a record that you toured with, but it still kind of fit into a really unique time that's probably never going to happen again. Mm-hmm. So it probably wasn't the vision that you had, but. I mean, I'm again speaking for how it dealt with me. Obviously, I didn't <laughs> write it or whatever, but yeah, I, I think guess hearing things like that has has really helped mm. and reminded me like there is that ongoing communication. I write that song; people are still listening to it in their homes. Yeah, people are still listening to it for the first time, and I forget that that it's bigger than me. Mm. So, yeah, do it for the fans, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and talking of talking of writing for other people, you've been doing quite a lot of in your recently yeah yeah hopefully it'll like all come out over the next year yeah because one of the latest ones was ow, the ow. charlie song yeah yeah which is such a fucking so, banger yeah that was so much fun that's uh that's drummy song reminds me of going out in liverpool when i was at college oh my god yeah and like first that's year me uni. going to turkey in 2010 that was honestly. that was like the yeah. soundtrack of that's my life such for that a time. Form song. Yeah. when you were when you shared that you were writing on that and it was charlie xx i was just like well, like, I didn't know it was Charlie XX's sweetie until like last minute. So in the in the room, it was like me, Jax Jones, Joel Corey, and then some like other producers and stuff. Um, and then yeah, I didn't. I literally didn't know till last minute that they got um, so those two to sing. I was like, what? Yeah, this girl. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I, I mean, I can't wait for new music. I'm yeah. so excited. I'll have to show you guys. Yes, and please. And also new, whatever sneaky. like new tours and stuff, like everything that yeah. hopefully from now on. Oh well yeah, yeah. Gonna smash it. Yeah, mm-hmm. education. You're gonna, you know, smashing PPE as well as everything else. <laughs> Watch me crash and burn <laughs> too. Thanks for coming over and having a good, mm-hmm. gorgeous little chat with us, Lansley. Mm-hmm. And eating some wings with us afterwards. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. They were delicious. <laughs> we had a couple of cocktails and some wings. Yeah, so... shout out to... The Pearl in Hackney Beautiful food. Mm. What pop-up? Was it a pop-up? It was called, like, Crack Wings or something. <laughs> it was, because it was related to drugs and stuff. Your local crack dealer. And we had loads of, you know... Crack fries. We had crack fries and margaritas. Yeah. Delicious. Also, the pumpkins today, the squash. These gorgeous numbers are from Doe, also in Hackney Way. Yeah. They bake the best brownies, gorgeous bread, mm-hmm. the best iced coffee you can get in London. I think say. some of the best coffee full stop, to be honest. Yeah. Delicioso. Yeah, agreed. 
yeah, Jason and the team there are all fantastic. This is not paid for. We no, just we go wish, we I'm wish. there every fucking morning. So, it's the least I can do. Anyway, third week. On the trot. On the trot of doing something we said we were going to do. What is your positive thing of the week? My positive thing of the week, Matthew Riley, is that I've cracked a bit of the clarinet again. <laughs> I was going to say the clarinet, but I'm not quite there fully. But um, I have had under my bed stored the clarinet that I mm-hmm. was bought by my beautiful mother when I was 14 mm-hmm. and played it a bit back then, mm-hmm. could read music more back then. 1861? Are you little? <laughs> um, started doing it again and I bought a book from Chimes in Barbican and I am actually picking up some of the some of the tunes. Mm. I, I've heard the video, I've seen the video. That, um, I, I, that's uh, carry on. And that's all I need to say on the matter. <laughs> wow, no words. <laughs> I would say the same. No words. <laughs> no words. Breathtaking. <laughs> What's your positive thing of the week? Let um, me guess, it's my clarinet playing. It was not that video, unfortunately, no. Um, my positive thing of the week was Body Movements Festival mm. that I went to on Saturday, um, which is a queer electronic music festival, also in Hackneywick. Basically, it happens in Hackneywick, and I can go to it within five-minute walk. I'm sold. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was over, like, I think, 10-ish venues, and it was really, really, really good. I haven't had... A, like a, I was going to say night out, but it was a day festival kind of lunchtime through to midnight. Day to night. Yeah. Super versatile sort of festival. <laughs> I haven't had a day like that in honestly years. Like the crowd was, the crowd all around the whole time, the crowd was like super, super lovely. Mm-hmm. It was like a really diverse mix of people, which is sometimes rare for some events when it can just be quite like mask dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just a really, really nice mix of people. The music was like very, very fun, very my vibe. Um, yeah, would definitely rate and would love to go again next year if they announce next year. Um, there's also several bottoming stickers thrown around some of the venues. <laughs> so that is it. That's your lot. That is. <laughs> As per, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Rate, review, subscribe, as always, wherever you get your podcasts. Mainly Apple Podcasts. Actually, where the yeah, that's correct. Place. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you listen to us mm-hmm. and you're not following us, make sure to click follow so you get us first on Spotify. All the places. All the places. Subscribe, follow. Yeah. Like. Uh, go to bottomingpodcast.com for additional links and stuff, and some um, cute pics of us. Obviously, you can follow Lapsley at. Lapsley with four Y's. That's mm-hmm. L-A-P-S-L-E-Y-Y-Y-Y. <laughs> which is what I ask myself every morning. Why, why, why? But yeah, as we said, that is your lot. Thank mm-hmm. you, as always. Thanks to Joe Malone for supplying these gorgeous candles that you can see if you watch on Instagram. And as always, you're doing spookily amazing, sweetie. Spooky, spooky. Bye, spooky. <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.